In every generation, there are chosen queers. We alone will stand against the cisheads, the straights, and the forces of darkness. We are the Gayers. Hello, and welcome to We Are the Gayers. Happy Full Harvest Moon, everyone. This is a fully spoiled Buffy podcast done in order of how much we like the seasons and released every full moon. Today, we are discussing Season 4, Episode 9, Something Blue. This podcast started off on Patreon, and this episode was originally released there in May of 2021. And if you like what you hear, consider heading to patreon.com slash hashtag ruthless because you can listen to three years worth of episodes right now. Um, And speaking of Patreon, in this episode, you will hear me declare that I will never start a blog, but that if I did, it would have a deeply nerdy Buffy related title. Um, Turns out I was half wrong because I do in fact now have a newsletter on Patreon with said deeply nerdy Buffy title. So if that interests you, you know, another reason to maybe support us over there. Um, Also, I don't think I've mentioned in a while that we put an image roundup of all of the fashion stuff that we talk about in the episode on our website. So for every episode, you can be like, you know, when we hit the uh, April Fool section, if you're like, I do not remember what this outfit is, just head to our website. The link for this specific episode will be in the show notes and you can look at what we're talking about as we talk about it. Also, did you know that we make three other podcasts because we do. And we are doing a live episode recording about Rocky Horror for our podcast, The Gaily Planet. That's on October 19th on Zoom at 8.30 Eastern time. And you should come. The tickets are linked in the show notes. Last thing, please leave us a review. It really helps us and also makes us really happy. So yeah, let's get into the episode. Hello, and welcome to We Are the Gayers, a podcast where a couple of sorcerers talk about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I am Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Jesse Blount, and today we are talking about episode 9 of season 4, Something Blue, in which Willow is still hella sad about Oz, who had in fact moved all his shit out of the dorms without telling Willow, which is a pretty finite end to their relationship. The gang, unfortunately, are not super supportive of Willow being this down because apparently no one knows how to manage their sadness. Buffy has her hands full with that new relationship joy and also sexually charged banter with Spike, who is staying at Giles while they try to get information about the commandos out of him. Willow attempts to drink her problems away, but she really should have started with cheap vodka like the rest of us and not a beer. (laughs) The gang shames her about this, which, rude, so instead Willow does a will-be-done spell to try to spell away her sadness. The will-be-done spell doesn't work as expected, as Willow unknowingly curses all of her friends. (laughs) Giles becomes blind, Xander becomes a literal demon magnet, and Buffy and Spike get engaged. Hijinks ensue! Yeah! (laughs) Uh, Willow finds out about all of this, because she is uh, kidnapped by Tahafran, the vengeance demon that is Anya's old boss, who offers Willow a job as a vengeance demon. Willow declines, reverses the spell, and then shame bakes cookies for everyone. And also details Giles' car. (laughs) 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 Oh god, what a good episode. Yep, so as always, we're spoiling everything because a spoiler-free podcast is a boring podcast. So listeners, come with me now as we enter the bronze where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else. Um, I learned that the person who wrote this episode wrote exactly two other episodes of Buffy, (laughs) which were Beer Bad and Where the Wild Things Are. Wow. How? What? (laughs) I guess. I just. That's because it's just like, how? This is a perfect episode. Yeah. And those those episodes are on everyone's worst of lists. Yeah, that is. You know, 
sometimes they can't all be winners, I guess, when you're writing. <laughs> um, and I just feel like, I don't know, maybe it would feel really embarrassing to have written as like you wrote three episodes and two of them are like literally the worst episodes of the show. And then one of them is like probably in so many people's top tens. <laughs> yeah, like... exactly. <laughs> They're just having one really good day. And, you know, honestly, I feel like I kind of respect that because as someone who has ADHD, I cannot ever consistently produce a consistent thing at all ever. And I'm kind of like, yeah, sometimes you produce a good thing and sometimes the rest of it is just uh, very mediocre. I suspect that we have many a listener who would disagree with this assessment you've just made of yourself. <laughs> That's fair. Okay, fair. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Um, yes. Anyway, I just thought that was that was real wild. That's yeah, I didn't even look that up. I'm glad you did, because yeah, that is wow. <laughs> um, yeah, what do you have first? Um, just that I have to shout out UC Sunnydale for having a whole ass lesbian alliance on their college campus. Uh yeah. I mean, I went to a tiny ass school. We just had a general lgbt group so i'm kind of like good for uc sunnydale <laughs> i'm sure half of those lesbians are also in the witch group that willow attends next episode <laughs> yeah. so which i love yep i just referred to it as lesbian foreshadowing yeah i mean cause... yeah not even like yeah it's <laughs> They're really laying it on thick in this episode. And, you know, as we discussed in the last episode, I I love it. I think that this kind of just ridiculously unsubtleness is really what makes the show so good in a lot of ways. So I'm very much here for it. Yeah. Um. All right. My next thing is... So Riley asks Buffy out on this picnic, right? And he's like, have you ever been to whatever field? It's really beautiful there. And it's like usually not crowded. And then we see them on the picnic. And I was like, is this the beautiful uncrowded field <laughs> that you were telling her about? Because <laughs> this just looks like a triangle of grass in the middle of the quad. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Listen, they didn't have they didn't have time to scout a like actual beautiful empty field. So they're like, well, dude, you just have it on campus. <laughs> um my second thing is a little bit ridiculous, which is I feel like Riley has a little bit like Midwest lesbian vibes. And I think okay, so part of it is that like, don't you just like just driving around? And I'm like, that is the most Midwest <laughs> thing you can say. <laughs> That's why Buffy's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I guess for listeners who aren't from the Midwest, uh, the Midwest is very wide and not very dense. So you spend a lot of time driving. It's like a, it's like a whole joke about how people in the Midwest will be confused about people deciding to take a plane for something that's quote unquote only a 10 hour drive. Like, I don't think anyone from Michigan has ever flown to Florida. They're like, it's only 10 hours. Of course I'm going to drive to Florida. <laughs> I literally can't argue because I'm like, yeah, that's I hate planes. <laughs> Let me just drive for 10 hours. Also, I feel like Riley would totally have a Subaru with like dogs in it. Yeah, no. Oh, sorry. Yes. Going back to your original <laughs> point, Riley absolutely has Midwest lesbian vibes. The, like, billowy button-downs, driving for fun, inviting Buffy on a fucking picnic. It's just, it's all yeah. there. I put it that he brings everything for He's like, oh, just show up. I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, also, his whole tangent about how Buffy is, like, a beautiful girl who is a mystery. I'm like, do you also listen to Sarah McLaughlin? <laughs> <laughs> this is maybe around the time where this, where that would have, that album probably came out no because sarah mclaughlin was the like crying on the bus music for the end of season two after she kills angel so we're You're a little right. beyond that i bet he owns a picnic basket oh he does he 110 percent owns a wicker picnic basket he doesn't have it with him at college because he knows <laughs> that the other dudes would make fun of him 
especially right, especially Forrest. Even though Forrest would do it and be like, "Take me on a picnic, bruh. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> let's play chicken. Let's have a romantic picnic. No homo." <laughs> but he definitely owns one in Iowa. Yeah, you know. I feel like I'm changing my own mind about Riley. And I know that my overall opinion about Riley that I brought, like, bring to watching the show is, like, the whole of the Riley experience. And, like, Riley ends in a real bad place in yeah. the show. But, like, right now, I'm just like, you, you, look at you. It's so cute, especially coming off of, like, what, three seasons of the, like, Buffy and Angel tortured circus where it's like yeah. no just yeah have your fun with this like hot rip dude who's like not a sad vampire <laughs> like, go for exactly. it admire his arms and let him feed you strawberries in a field like yes right do that <laughs> exactly sounds great also having someone who let's just say dated college dudes but definitely funny entanglements with uh college dudes him being like we're having a picnic i'm bringing all this shit is actually really great i feel like most dudes at college are like parker so it's like <laughs> you're really you're really getting the cream of the crop even if he is your ta and it's very illegal well not illegal but <laughs> definitely unethical very enough frowned upon for sure yeah i wasn't sure where to put this actually or my next thing but we we see amy for like half a second yeah like poor amy I, that's exactly my note her little face when she's like oh my god and she's just a rat again for another year and a half she's a rat i don't know why i love giles's bright yellow kiss the librarian mug but i really do <laughs> especially because it's like it's just the mug that, like, clearly someone at the high school must have given Giles, and now Buffy's just feeding Spike, like, pig's blood out of it. I know. But it just has a really clean graphic design. I'm just like, I would buy that mug. Do you, I, I don't know. I don't know why, but I feel like Xander gave it to him. <laughs> I could totally see that. It feels like a Xander present. Like, it's weird. He's like, oh, I thought of you, Giles, because it says librarian. Right, exactly. But yes, I think you are correct. Is this our first time meeting Dehofren? It is. I I love Dehofren so much. I also really love Dehofren. And so we see Dehofren offering Willow a job in this episode after she's been dumped by Oz. Anya lets us know that she became a vengeance demon because she got dumped and was doing some like minor vengeance spells so i just like the idea of de Hoffren just like randomly hiring sad recently dumped witches to make them vengeance demon and i'm like i would love to have a job like that just fall into my life <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like this is great like i'm like willow in this economy you're turning it down <laughs> i know it has such good <laughs> benefits immortality a seemingly endless stipend fucking teleportation god even if you don't love wreaking vengeance like this is the this is the job you're never gonna get a better fucking offer than this i know yeah and i feel like we we only ever see lady vengeance demons i think we do but do we only ever meet two i think we i guess we meet anya and then her friends cc hallie hallie halfrick Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Cece was when she was masquerading as a human in Spike's past. Cecily. Yes. Cecil. Okay. That's not how I would pronounce it. But okay. It's good to know. What? Um. So that's good to know because that's not how I would have pronounced Oh, yeah. You just have to hear Spike reading his poem in your head. Cecily. <laughs> it cries. Oh, <laughs> uh, that fucking nerd. I have this in in an alternate universe where I start a blog, which is never going to happen. I would name it the Lark Spake, which is the line from the beginning of Spike's poem. Oh my god! (laughs) (laughs) 
deep cut nerdery. Oh my god, I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> I also, I love that De Hoffren is clearly gay and like not a villain, you know? Like De Hoffren is like hovering on the edge of queer-coded villain, except he's just queer-coded. He's yeah. a demon, but not bad, which is yeah. so great. I know, he's just like, I just want to offer you a job, you can wreck some vengeance for people who are calling out to that. I'm like, this seems great. Like, this seems, I don't want to say fine, but I'm kind of like, I feel like it's really in that gray area of like, ah, you know, like not world yeah. ending. So it's kind of like, eh. uh, yeah, I like to imagine that De Hoffren's Vengeance Demons is one of those really nice workplaces where it's like pay transparency and not, it's not just weird dudes, probably actually not very many, I'm sure, says hat weird dudes who are demons now so i'm like i appreciate this about you yeah i mean honestly willow's like no thanks and i i love it i actually so i watch everything with subtitles on because i can't understand media without it and sometimes it will tell you what's happening with the music and sometimes it doesn't and i was sort of weirded out by the fact that it isn't telling you what's happening with the music in that scene because the swelling intense music as de Hoffman is like and that's your final decision and it's like oh god he's gonna kill willow and then the music just cuts and he's like oh well here's my talisman <laughs> and just lets her go it's such a great it's such a good scene <laughs> it's like we like rarely ever see like sort of just neutralish demons you know right i feel like clem comes to mind of course yeah and the person who uh, steals the books of Ragnarok. Nope. What are they? <laughs> which, which episode are you Is talking? it the Books of Ascension, maybe? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Books of or Ascension. something. Something yeah. that the mayor needs. Yeah. That demon is just, like, trying to buy a plane ticket. <laughs> like, he's yeah. just, whatever. Yeah, that, that seems fair. Get out of Sunnydale. There's two slayers. Why do you want to be in that place? Exactly. And a giant dinosaur monster is probably going to eat a lot, of, a lot of beings. Yeah, get out. Get out, dude. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think it's your turn. Uh, I just have to point out, we have another moment when Spike is escaping and he shoves Giles and the chip does not go off. Though it does go off later when he punches Buffy in the face. Mm -hmm. Just a little bit of continuity errors there. Or is it just a little confirmation of my reading that whether or not it fires depends on whether or not Spike thinks he's hurting someone? True. That is true. He's not trying to hurt Giles. He's just trying to get away. He's just trying to move Giles out of the way. Right. Yeah. My Okay, so my last thing here. I know that this is technically a fashion thing, but like the fact that Willow is wearing the <laughs> Speak No Evil shirt at the end of the episode is... So ridiculous. I love it so much. <laughs> so great. It's also the only good shirt that she wears this whole episode, but we will talk about that. Yeah, we sure will later. talk about that. I just have a bunch of question marks next to so many things that happen in people's outfits. Welcome to the cemetery where we talk about character development. So Spike, this is, I don't know if it's the first, probably not, but this is maybe the most obvious to date example of Spike just being so emotionally aware and how well he can read people and like, I mean, honestly, he's probably interacted with Willow for like 30 seconds since he's been locked in this bathroom. And he's yeah. like, excuse me, she is not fine. What the hell are you guys talking about? Yeah. Yeah. And this is a thing that like, you know, as he, as he is now on his way to becoming a series regular, we see a lot with Spike. And it's just like, I don't know. I just, I just feel like you just love to see. Yeah. Especially for this, like his like, tough bad boy exterior where he's like are you guys not paying attention to your friend's emotions because she is <laughs> literally a wreck yeah. which is honestly a good observation that everyone should have been taking into consideration yeah definitely yeah he's 
as as you have said, he has the soul of a tender poet, and that comes with a lot of keen observation of the human condition, I think. Yeah. And also, I think that if you're a vampire and your prey is people, like, you gotta be pretty good about reading people's emotions and feelings and vibes and to know, like, oh, this sad girl will go off into the alley with me and then I can eat her. Depends on what kind of hunting you're doing. Yeah. I mean, because I guess, because we know with Angel, he goes off on, like, like, psychological torture shit, which is very fucked up. But I feel like Spike's too impulsive to, like, do more than, like, scan a crowd and be like... I mean, we see this when uh, Drew comes back next season. It's just like, let's just go find some folks in the bar who are clearly distracted in a place where not the greatest visibility could probably nab those before anyone even noticed. But yeah. I think that this still comes out of his tender poet soul and the like observation of like people around him and like people's feelings. Yeah, you're totally right. I'm sorry. I'm just like thinking about the ways that his experience vampiring plays into his ability to like play them all at the end of this season. And I've never thought about it from that context before. And I think it's really interesting, but that's for later. That's for the Yoko factor. Another excellent episode what a good episode even though it's a terrible name it's an excellent episode but we'll get into that it's kind of a funny name though i mean i know that it's wrong but it's funny i just can't wait to get into the you're wrong about this whole yoko thing when we get to it uh yeah totally <laughs> um okay i just have a little note about how fucking sweet riley is to willow on this when she's all sad and he's like no interrupt this picnic that it took me like 20 years to invite Buffy on and I like practiced in my head and it's finally happening like you're sad sit with us it's fine have an apple and it's just like you're so sweet which I will point out is nicer than like her actual friends are treating her in this episode which has been consistently true since Oz dumped her <laughs> like, yeah Riley's no the only very person true. we've seen be good to Willow about this yeah, Riley. Riley is a he's a good dude this season. I just have one thing about Willow, which is, as we see in later seasons, Willow would have made a very good and very scary vengeance demon. <laughs> she sure would. <laughs> oh. Oh God, yeah, she'd have been great. Yeah, she would have been very good, and like, it really, honestly, should not have taken until season six for Giles to be like, I think you, your your untrained, unsupervised magical use is getting a little out of hand. Like, I feel like this should have been a wake-up call to be like, you know what, Willow, let me take you under my wing so you do not get into the dark magics like I did in my youth. Yeah. Yeah, no, so, you're super right. Because he's speaking from a place of experience. Yeah. And I mean, he's like pretty sad this season. So like, there's that. But like, dude... <laughs> You guys are always doing magic for stuff. I mean, I feel like he's sad because he feels a lack of purpose. And if he took Willow in in like a mentorship capacity, I feel like that actually would give him a sense of purpose and also probably would make her feel super respected yeah. too. So it'd be good for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And then we wouldn't have gotten magic addiction Willow season six. Yep. Yeah. Who do you want to talk about next? Uh, the only person I have is Anya, which uh, I'm glad we get more background about her and how she was ascended from a human into a vengeance demon, which is mm -hmm. pretty cool. And just like, then we get to meet to Hofford, who seems really nice. <laughs> yeah. And how she just started doing casual vengeance, apparently, back in the day, which is like, you know what? <laughs> Guess I'll just do this full time. Yeah. I mean, she understood a good deal when she was offered it listen you you can't always monetize your hobbies but sometimes you can and then look look at look at the places she could go <laughs> <laughs> oh man if anybody if there's any like podcast demons out there who want to like offer me the ability to teleport and i don't actually want immortality at all but 
some of the other benefits that Anya has, I would definitely take them. Magic. Right. You need to soul, whatever. <laughs> I mean, in the context of this world, the Buffy world, it doesn't seem to like matter much. So, yeah, my eternal uh, frustration with the show about how it really just doesn't matter that much at all. Um, yeah. yeah. So my last thing here is uh, uh, the like Buffy being like Giles, like I want you to give me away, and Giles being like, oh, of course, and then Spike's like, you're my father-in-law, and then it's just like, uh, and I'm just crying, even though it's so ridiculous, but it's so sweet and great, and I fucking love it so much. Yeah, no, I, I also love it a whole lot, and it is. So I've been like watching season six with Nicole. And so a few episodes ago, we watched Tabula Rasa. And the bit where Giles and Spike think that their father and son is like probably one of my favorite Giles-Spike interactions. (laughs) It's just so good. (laughs) And I feel like we get a little bit of this here. And I'm just like, it's just... It's just so funny. It's so endlessly entertaining to me. It's so good. They're, oh God, I love them so much. I know. Yeah. That moment where Buffy's like, I could ask my bio dad, but like, this day is about family and I want it to be you. It's just, I know. Just spoon my heart out of my chest. So many feels. I'm like, oh my God, Buffy. You're about family. <sighs> yeah. All right. Welcome to April Fool, where we rant about fashion. Uh, I think we have to point out before anything else, we actually get a cameo of April Fool in this episode. We do. That's the shop that Buffy's looking at that wedding dress in. Oh, is it? Yeah. Why do they sell wedding dresses now? <laughs> because that store doesn't literally make any sense. Uh, at least according to the uh, Buffy fandom wiki, that uh, she's looking at her dress at April Fool's. Awesome. So yeah, actual actual cameo by the section header of this. It's a fitting episode for it to happen in because this is a disaster of a fashion episode. I feel like I just have endless question marks after, like, everything that Buffy and Willow are wearing in this episode. <laughs> like, what is Willow's poncho wrap thing she's wearing when they're in the cemetery in the cold opening? I'm like, what is that? It is <laughs> a knitted straight jacket, is what it is. <laughs> it looks like she's wearing a lampshade. <laughs> it does look like she's wearing a like how do you move your arms in that i'd be like this is too constricting if you need to like reach out the whole thing would like bunch up around your neck it's a ridiculous ridiculous thing to wear and it looks terrible yeah it does not like maybe it was like her first knitting experiment and she's like well that didn't go well but i spent a bunch of time on it so i'm gonna wear it anyway listen taking up knitting is a very good post-breakup sadness hobby to do she should turn it into a skirt (laughs) it makes sense as a skirt yeah and then she wears a sweater with flower boobs as i've described it which is also terrible yes is it as terrible as buffy's crimped hair like military fatigue green pants with this like weird yellow coat combination that she has that rocking coat is so terrible. <laughs> it's just that like nothing about her outfit makes any sense and i'm like i don't know why your hair is crimped right now what who did made the decision i wanted to say the the year but i feel like crimped hair went out in like 96 so i don't it's so bad it's like terribly bad. Like, <laughs> so bad. I, I don't think we get crimped hair Buffy very often, but the fact that it shows up here is 
so confused. <laughs> and you get this moment because it's crimped at the beginning and then all of a sudden it's straight for like two scenes and then it's crimped again for the rest of the episode. But for two scenes, you get to be like, oh, thank God she washed her hair. And then it's like, no, it's back. <laughs> oh, I didn't even notice that. It's crimped in the cemetery. No, it's crimped at the beginning. And then in the cemetery and in the in Giles's bathroom, her hair is in a ponytail and it's straight and then when her and willow are going to bed that night it's crimped again again a little little bit of uh, some uh, sloppy continuity there yeah yeah and then let's see yeah also my um comment about the coat says oh no buffy's coat with three question marks afterwards because it's just like a shapeless yet embroidered yet a terrible color it's so bad. Yeah, I have a like coat pants combo and then like four question marks after it. Yeah. It's just like why what is this outfit? Also the shirt, the like over thing that Willow is wearing at the bronze, which from a distance it's like, oh, it's, you know, early two thousands hippie, and then you get closer and you're like, it is covered in ruffles. Why? Just why? <laughs> I also have to, this is a little bit less of the LOL, but just that Buffy's engagement ring from Spike is just like a giant skull. It's a giant silver skull ring. It's perfect. It's great. It's, it's very great. I, I just love it. That's all. It's just. I mean, he just took it off his own hand. We see he's wearing it earlier. It is very LOL. The idea that Spike could take off a ring and put it on Buffy's ring finger of her left hand and it would fit her because that's not Not, a thing (laughs) yeah nope not at all a thing (laughs) even if it was a pinky ring but i think we see it on his index finger uh i feel like the only good shirt this episode is xander's baseball tee with the flowers in the middle which i would of course definitely buy in a heartbeat at the store even if the three quarters length sleeve thing I never liked, because I liked the option of being able to roll my sleeves up and I'll just have my forearms be cold. So it's like, I don't know. I don't know why that was a yeah. thing in the ni- in like the 90s slash early 2000s. Yeah. I would argue we get two other good shirts. Okay. Giles gets a good sweater at the end of the episode. He does get that a good stripey sweater. one. Mm-hmm. Willow's Speak No Evil shirt is... That is very funny. A good shirt. It's new, like neutral aesthetically, which is yeah. good for Willow because yeah. everything else that she wears this episode is like, Awful. oh God. Yeah. I wish the listeners could know how much we've just been shaking our heads <laughs> this whole segment. When you're listening to this episode or maybe re-listening to it, just imagine us shaking our heads through the entire, this entire section. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the show is so wild with the, with the outfits. Yeah, I feel like when when even Giles is wearing a bad sweater, you know that it's a bad episode because his first sweater is like so big. It's like yeah, it's like kind of shapeless. It's kind of like when people make jokes about unisex clothing just being like done colored like sacks basically mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of like he's yeah he's just wearing this like a sweat a shapeless sweater sack because the thing is that if you're gonna wear a, a, a too big sweater it has to be the kind that has like the the, the grabby at the bottom oh like the elastic yeah yeah because if it's just like loot like just it just looks like he's it just goes down like halfway down his thighs and it just hangs there and it looks yeah. really really bad <laughs> No, it does. It's real weird. And the sleeves are also sort of just dangling off the ends of his hands and stuff. So it's just no good. No. Okay. All right. That's enough of that. Let's move on. (laughs) Welcome to the Hellmouth, where we talk about things that are fucked up. You first. Uh, this Whoopi Dunn spell is fucked up. Yeah? It's like, on the surface level, it is LOL at Willow basically cursing her friends who've been treating her very shittily this episode and last episode and other episodes since Oz has been gone. But, uh, I I mean, just like imposing your will on people is shitty. Didn't she do it so that she could heal 
her heart, though. She only intended to impose her will on herself. I mean, the the existence of, like, the spell in and of itself is definitely fucked up, though, you're right. Yeah. And again, this is when Jarl should have been like, okay, you know what, Willow? Now it's some time for some training. Yeah. Okay. We get this whole thing in the cemetery with uh, Buffy talking to Willow and being like, I don't know if I can, like, date this nice guy. Like, doesn't the pain and suffering like isn't that where the spark comes from and she says don't love and passion have to go hand in hand with pain and fighting and that's fucked up <laughs> listeners this is a red flag for IRL relationships so just just throwing it out there for you yeah um usually pain and torment are things you should avoid uh they're not things that should belong in a romantic relationship uh, mm-hmm. in real life in fiction, we can explore it or whatever and have feelings all we want about it. But yeah, so objectively, this is fucked up. The fact that this is all Buffy knows is just really sad. Yeah. And the fact that that people hated Riley right off the bat because they loved Angel also, I think, is like, this is a sickness of society. <laughs> people are like, yeah, the pain and the fighting, that's where the spark comes from. Like, you can't just have this midwest lesbian who wants to take you on picnics and drive you around in his subaru right buffy go to the beach with riley in his subaru he you know he's gonna have some blankets maybe a camp chair definitely a flashlight (laughs) yeah uh yeah and i feel and we're definitely gonna get into this whenever we get to any of the earlier seasons previous to this but like i mean essentially i feel like Angel did a lot of, like, grooming of Buffy, which I think part of it is because, A, right, this is not, none of this is the basis of a healthy relationship. They've never had a healthy relationship. Number two, Angelus notoriously enjoyed grooming and manipulating and psychologically torturing his victims. So I'm kind of like, and, like, I get it. I think, I'm sure there are a lot of people who, like, they watch the show when it was airing and then you and like you kind of get sucked up in it and it's like the late 90s early 2000s it's not like very many shows have healthy relationships on it that's part of the drama is the unhealthy relationship like you right. know, drag it out for three seasons because it's like you can healthily communicate and work through your problems together <laughs> right uh but with 2021 eyes and awareness it's like nothing about this relationship was good or healthy and it affects all of Buffy's relationships afterwards and like her sense of self and her self-worth and it is very sad I just remembered the episode of Angel that preceded this episode yeah, it's is it the one up. where they fuck for like the whole day yeah because Angel becomes human and then he's like I'm turning the clock back I'll remember it but you won't because I have a bigger purpose as a vampire with a soul. And it's like, what the fuck? Also, hello, consent issues. What the fuck? Yeah, the episode before this is very bad. Yeah, it's super fucked up. Their relationship is terrible. I do want to say to like our, you know, listeners who maybe are like, love Angel or are learning to hate Angel through listening to this podcast that... It took me, I mean, I didn't start hating Angel until maybe the last like five years or something. I think it sort of was like every rewatch, I started having less and less room for him. But at the, when I first started watching this show, I was like fully into it. Which makes sense. I mean, like David Boreanaz is fucking hot. I don't know, the kind of like forbidden love aspect of it is, you know, it is appealing. Yeah, I think when I first watched the show, I didn't outright, I didn't hate Angel. I was just kind of indifferent because I was just so much more interested in the Buffy Spike dynamic to be like, okay, whatever, Angel. Yeah. Okay. Willow's a real jerk to Xander in this episode. Twice. Yeah. And in both cases about things that I think it's really shitty to be mean to Xander about 
There are so many things to be mean to Xander about, but she's mean to him about his like super abusive home life, which sucks, and his yeah. like very unstable financial situation that makes it so that he still has to live in this house where things are real bad. Yeah. And then makes fun of him for his like dating history, which consists of like two people nearly murdering him and one of them attempting to rape him before nearly murdering him. Yeah. And it was just like Willow. I I love you know sassy telling people off willow this is not you are choosing the wrong the wrong way to do this like this is bad yeah that was that is like definitely a low blow like several low blows yeah i hate that that xander's dating history is this sort of uh running gag in this show uh, that you know it'll get brought up and it's like lol I think when Amy comes back, uh, she asks about who Xander is dating and Willow's like thousand year old ex demon with rabbit phobia. And Amy's like, so his type. And it's like, haha, remember when the fucking teacher <laughs> like attempted to sexually assault and then eat him? LOL, that that's his type. And it's like, this is not funny. Can everyone just stop? Yeah. Yeah, not, I mean, yeah, it's like there's so much non-consensual sexual things that happen in Xander in, like, high school where it's like, none of this is, this isn't funny. And if this was anyone but a, like, cis-dude-coded character, this wouldn't, like, you wouldn't be making these jokes. Right. And I mean, granted, I really don't like Xander as a character, but that's fucked up. Yeah, you don't have to like someone to not want terrible things to happen to them. Or yeah, or joke or like joke about a traumatic thing that happened to them multiple times. Right. Yeah, you know, be specific when you're talking shit about or to someone about their terrible behavior or like attitude or general themness. Like don't don't go for low blows that have nothing to do with why you dislike them. Yeah, for sure. Welcome to the Magic Box, where we rant about stuff. Willow just could have done what a lot of us do when we're sad and young, which is write bad poetry, make an appointment at the College Counseling Center, and just play like Jack a Little Pill on repeat for like two days straight. Like you don't have to, you don't have to dabble in the magics. <laughs> like yes. other other ways of like working through your pain, Willow. And I mean, yeah. I get it. Willow loves a magical shortcut, but like, yeah, just I don't know. Go to a terrible freshman party where they're fucking doing shots of like ninety nine bananas. Like you don't have to <laughs> dabble in the dark arts. <laughs> Kids, don't drink 99 bananas. It is a terrible mistake, and it is very disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's, I mean, especially, I, I also had the thing about her needing to go to therapy. It's a little bit of a complicated situation. Like, I don't think that her friends are showing up for her as much as they should, but I also think that it's fair that at a certain point, they're like tapped out on having a lot to offer her about this situation. It's complicated because we haven't seen them offering her anything at all. And so it's like, you could try like, yeah. <laughs> you owe her more than we're seeing them give. But yeah. Yeah. I think this is an episode that we're like, this all could have been solved with better communication of boundaries and like mm -hmm. emotional bandwidth. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, I, I do feel like, I see where it's easy for Willow to feel like everyone's just blowing her off and blowing off her pain. Because it's like, no one is being really clear. They're just like, oh, whatever, yeah, Willow, so we're all tired of Willow being fucking sad. It's like, but if you spend a whole season moping about Angel, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. I was a little bit bothered because I felt like we did see Giles kind of starting to have... A conversation like a meaningful conversation with her where he was like I'm worried about you like it's super unlike you to forget 
to do this thing. And she just explodes at him. And I know that at this point, she's already feeling like really unlistened to. But, you know, it felt like he was sort of ready to do some like dadding. And she was like, fuck off, you don't see anything. And then he left. And then she was like, I'm mad that you left. And like, hey, we've all been there. <laughs> but yeah. also, it, it kind of made me wonder how much is she actually... I don't know, like making room for the ways that her friends, her specific friends are able to offer her support. I don't yeah. know. No, that makes sense. Yeah. It's like people are being to Will in this episode and she's like, I mean, arguably more mean back to them since they all get cursed. But yeah, it's just like a very messy emotional situation that gets yeah. complicated because magic. Yep. Yeah. Communication. Okay. I just have a series of quotes from this episode that I want to talk about because this <laughs> is so good. This is such a good episode. It, re- it really is. I think this is definitely my top 10 favorite episodes, I would say. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I want to start <laughs> with when uh, Xander and Anya get to Giles's house and Buffy and Spike are engaged, and Xander says, How? What? How? And then Giles is like, Three excellent questions. (laughs) (laughs) Because there are two separate times when I was editing the last episode where you were upset about something and basically said (laughs) that, like, how, what, how. And I was like, How both times I missed the opportunity to say three excellent questions. <laughs> I'm so disappointed in myself. Well, now you know because I will probably say that again, the heat of exclaiming about something. So I'll never I'll never miss another opportunity. <laughs> <sighs> I also really love when Buffy's talking to Riley about Spike and she's like, you'll really like him. Well, nobody really likes him. I don't even really like him. It's, it's so, it's like, it's just so good and so funny. And also just like, it's just like, what is this spell even doing? Like they're engaged (laughs) and they're like making out, but they both like still kind of like, don't like one another. Which, I mean, I get it. The whole, like, aggressively trading barbs back and forth vibe is definitely a television mainstay, so. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm like, do I just want to read all of these? I think the yes! last one that I'm actually... Okay, yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, why wouldn't you? I really love... So Riley's like, does he go here? And Buffy says, no, he's totally old. Well, not as old as my last boyfriend. And then Riley says, it's late. And I'm very tired now. And I was like, oh, I'm very tired now as a way to like exit a conversation that has been too much for you is such a subtle and incredible burn. And I'm going to use it. It's real good. You totally totally should. I was trying to think. So in, in preparation for this conversation, I'm like, what? What is Riley probably thinking? And I'm like, he probably thinks that she is like fucking like stoned as fuck or something. Like what? Like the words that are coming out of her mouth make no sense to him out of context <laughs> about what we know as the audience. So he's probably just like, are, like, are you just are you just like tripping right now? Like, do do I call campus like safety? You know, I'm not gonna ask any questions. I don't need to know. I'm your tea. I'm gonna go home. Go back to the door. <laughs> Yeah. don't need to know what kind of drugs you're on right now <laughs> god which would have been such a better excuse for her to use the next day than like i was fucking with you buffy wouldn't say that because she wouldn't want riley to think that she was doing the drugs yeah even though he's literally hopped up on steroids <laughs> <laughs> it's like buffy you don't even know he would i don't think he would care he lives in a frat house yeah that's true oh Okay, last one. Someone says, what's wrong with Buffy? And Giles is like, such a good question. (laughs) Giles just gets a lot of like really good one-liners. He also gets the like, 
It's all right. I have more scotch. I think it's all right. I have more scotch line is like one of my favorites because I'm like, this is how I would be handling the situation. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to keep drinking some scotch and maybe when I sober up, all this will make sense again. (sighs) Yeah, it's beautiful. All right. What do you have next here? I wrote this down. I don't know how I feel about this point because it feels it feels weird that like the Scooby shame Willow for having half of a beer. It's not like she's fucking doing like rails of cocaine in the bathroom. She's had half of a like fucking Bud Light. It's only slightly more alcoholic than kombucha. Come on. <laughs> she holds it up and she's like, see, light. And I am like, yeah, everyone calm down. Do you know how many of those she would have to drink to be drunk? And even for someone who hasn't probably drank before and has a very low tolerance, like, right, you could... She would need to at least have, like, four or five of them to be, like, real drunk. Yeah. And so I just feel like it's a little bit, you know, there's definitely a point where it's, like, okay to be, like, okay, you know what? You are way drunk. We should get home. Having half a beer, unless you have some kind of health issue, body chemistry, where, like, that's really going to make you just fucking blackout drunk. It's kind of like, get get her some water. She'll sober up in an hour or two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. This show is really big on the alcohol shaming i mean and like is it just because it's like we're trying to be a good role model for your young people who are watching this show because like considering what willow ends up doing to deal with her pain having her get like a little drunk and have a shitty hangover the next day might have been preferable yeah <laughs> for everyone involved. drinking a few light beers and dancing to blink 182 is way better <laughs> than cursing right. all of your friends right she's not fucking shotgunning the m- most bottom shelf fucking vodka which is what i did as a freshman which i don't recommend don't do that uh but you know having a few natty lights when you're 19 it's fun you don't have a car you're gonna walk back to campus you'll be fine yeah buffy who's the slayer is with you come on now (laughs) yep uh my only other thing here is that you know, Buffy says, oh, this, I must have been immune to the spell because I'm the Slayer. And then someone says, yeah, you're marrying Spike because you're just so right for each other. And I wrote, they are so right for each other. <laughs> They're so as we, as, yeah. right for each other. Right. And it's kind of like better than Angel, y'all. Yeah. I mean, and arguably also better for Buffy than Riley because Buffy has a lot of trauma to work through that we learn is very effectively worked through via kink that even though Riley racks up some trauma real quick at the end of this season, I don't really see him ever getting comfortable enough to be able to go there with her. I feel like Riley's the kind of person who's just like, oh, I don't know about that. It feels like disrespectful, you know, but that's kind of his vibe. Yeah. And it's and, it, and that is a very soft and tender vibe to have. And like, if you're not a person who's like into kink, that's totally fine. Welcome to Spike's Crypt, where we talk about sexy stuff. So it just, it just seems like... Jokes is awfully handy having those like uh, ankle and wrist manacles and enough chain <laughs> to restrain a grown person in his bathtub. Just uh-huh. saying. Just throwing it out there. I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay, Giles. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I just, Giles, Spike is like threatening him. Because he won't turn on passions. And Giles is like, what are you going to do? Lick me to death? And I was like, oh, Giles wants Spike to lick him to death. Okay. I'm like, I, w- I, would, I think I have in my notes, I would literally watch. I would watch that. Yes, please. Uh, but part of that is also kind of like, why not ship uh, Giles and, Sh- and Spike? It's fucking hot. That sounds great. Who's not shipping Giles and Spike? I don't know. They have a beautiful daddy and boy relationship i mean if my endless searches on ao3 is to be confirmed not as many people as you would think so That's which is unfortunate damn shame 
It it truly is. Especially because I'm just like, I don't need any like Buffy Giles fan fiction that is too Ew. that is too incestuous for me. And I'm like, no, I'm good. I can I don't I don't need that. I just need more Giles and Spike fan fiction. Yes. <laughs> Where is that? Especially in this <laughs> especially in this time period where it's like Giles is unemployed, Spike's just hanging out, always restrained in his home. I know. Giles is like, I want to take a shower alone. And it's like, oh, have you already showered with Spike? Because that's that what go? I took from that. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Let me know how that goes. And as we've already pointed out, Giles, clear, obvious top. Spike, obvious, bratty bottom. So, like... <sighs> yeah. Um, I just also want to bring up, of course... Spike chained up in said bathtub. Very great look for our guy to be chained up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so much just so much spike bondage this season. I'm really here for that. Yeah. Buffy and Spike fighting in the bathroom. Also so charged. So it's like <laughs> even before they get engaged, just so much like sexual innuendo. Just constant. She's like, Giles, help, he's gonna scold me. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) He's gonna scold you, you're gonna punish him. Okay, okay. Yeah. This is this is how this is gonna work. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And especially especially since like this has got to have been the episode where everyone's like, oh, now I'm a spike buffy shipper. Great. And I'm like, yes. Because this is definitely the episode where I'm like, hold the phone. <laughs> this is great. Yeah. I don't I don't need anything else from y'all. This is just what I need. And then it was annoying to have to go through like another like season before it actually happened. Yeah. And I'm like, God damn it. Uh, but yeah, this has got to be an episode that like launched thousands of people to be like, oh, yep. <laughs> and then the show writers were apparently frustrated because people didn't take to Riley. And I was like... Why did you introduce this in episode nine if you wanted people to take to Riley? Especially it was like, and like, obviously Buffy and Spike obviously always already had amazing chemistry, but then you throw this in the mix and you're just like, (laughs) they should just get married. Why the fuck not? (laughs) Yep. So. Um, Right. So at the end of this episode, when Willow breaks the spell... Buffy and Spike are making out in that moment. And what happens is that they get the realization, they pull apart. Buffy is on top of Spike. Spike does not react until Buffy reacts. And it takes her like a minute. And the look on his face is very like, I'm waiting to see where she goes with this. I could go either way. If she leans in for more, I am 100% here for it. If she acts repulsed, then I too will act repulsed. And he just is like frozen and like waiting to follow her lead mode. Yeah. And like, I think in that moment where Buffy is like, I could just keep kissing him and no one has to know. But then she's like, fuck, wait. (laughs) There's no, there's no more distraction for what is happening. Yeah. Because I think they would have just kept kissing, honestly. You don't think that she's weirded out about it? I think she's legitimately weirded out. And Spike is like, oh, wow, I was into that. I think Buffy's probably more weirded out about being into it than, like, being under this weird spell. Because I feel like Buffy carries a lot of shame about her own pleasure, especially, like, sexual pleasure, at least until, she, at least until like, her and Riley are, like, fucking on the regular. Mm-hmm. So... I think that's kind of how I've always interpreted that. Is that her just kind of being like, oh, wait, I like this. Why? What? No. Yeah. <laughs> so they're both sort of like, oh, God, how am I going to react to this? Yep. And unfortunately, we have to wait and wait and wait. So much waiting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Watching season six, I'm just like, smash the record. Just so explicit. How are they making fun <laughs> truly i would almost argue that gone is like more pushing the boundaries of what they can show on tv which one was it's the one where buffy is invisible and we like see her rip spike's clothes off and start giving him head and like 
see him actively fucking her, except you can't see her. And it's just like, if she wasn't invisible, like this would be porn. Like, holy yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've seen, I mean, I watch HBO and that that was definitely much more explicit feeling than like seeing people with their like titties out on HBO. Like I'm yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> it's such a good episode. Sorry. No, it's such, uh, such an excellent episode. Yeah. People hate that episode because the premise is silly. And I, again, am like, why are you watching this show if you don't love a silly premise? You should probably watch something different. You should. I mean, right? And also, like, <laughs> it is so very funny. And also the bit where, like, Xander's talking to Spike and, like, Buffy's still, like, fucking with him <laughs> is, like... It's so... like, I'm exercising and starts to push ups. <laughs> season six we really need that levity honestly hey yes absolutely anyway in season four did you have anything else in this section i guess i don't besides all of a lot of the buffy perch and spikes lap for like a good quarter (laughs) (laughs) and i'm like i'm like you know i get it girl whatever get in his lap that sounds great Welcome to the library, where we talk about magic and science and magical science. So, the title of this episode is Twofold, obviously. It is referring to, of course, Willow's blue mood. And, of course, also borrowing from the wedding tradition of having something borrowed and something blue. Which, uh, apparently, was a tradition that came out of uh, Victorian England as a way to give good luck to the bride and groom. Apparently, blue was a very lucky color Hmm. back in Victoria, England, and, like, will deflect the evil eye. And so, that's why it's part of the whole something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue thing. Cool. Um, the only thing that I have here is, I guess, magic, I guess. I don't really know why I put this here, but I did. So they fight this, like, punk rock demon with a studded jacket. And for whatever reason, this was the first time that I've ever really thought about demon fashion and how demons that are not part human, like vampires, interact with the idea of fashion and clothes And like where they get their clothes and who makes their clothes and where their aesthetic comes from. I just felt really curious about it. All excellent questions. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know. I mean, I know that we sometimes see like demons who are wearing like protective-ish chain mail or leather or kind of armor-ish stuff. But I think we, I think what we could, we could do is if we... If we, like, have the idea of, like, okay, so there's the demon bar that Spike goes to that is full of demons of a variety amount of dangerousness. So there's, and you're on the Hellmouth, which is full of demons. So there's probably got to be, like, the demon side of town or something, or, like, businesses that cater to demons that are run by other demons or half demons or not human beings, you know. And then, you know, and then if it's, like, you can... Some demons can like travel via dimensions, and like there must be some kind of weird dimensional demon market. Yeah. So, as for the aesthetic stuff, I have no idea. Um, but as like where they would acquire it, like where would Clem acquire literally anything? Like he has a car. <laughs> like he has like human stuff. <laughs> you couldn't true. just go into the Ralphs or whatever if unless there was like the demon grocery store or something. Yeah. Man, this so many questions. Listeners, will you please comment on this on this episode and let us know what you think about where these where demon clothes come from? Because I feel like there's like four maybe kinds of demons. We have like loincloth demons, medieval demons, cloaky demons, and punk rock demons. Mm-hmm. It's like is this by species? Is this by individual aesthetic? Is it you know? Yeah. Yeah, I feel that's a very good, like, history of clothing kind of question. Mm -hmm. Because, like, some of it's got to be, like, status and, like, 
wealth and whatever else things people say with their clothing. Practicality, and, uh, I guess. Levels of sentience, maybe not sentience, uh, but God, what is the word? We learned the word. Consciousness? No. No, because I mean, a dog is sentient, but you know, person, person akinness, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like some demons seem more like animals, and some demons seem more like people in terms of like mm-hmm. language and uh, motivation and whatever. So maybe that plays into what they choose to wear and whatever too. But then we have some like clearly people demons like gnarl who is just a person and also is naked so that's my favorite demon (laughs) (laughs) so fucking spooky i feel like it's really too bad i feel they really could have gotten into the like some of the logistics of how sunnydale fucking works and just been like you use up all your month your budget on sci-fi you could have just used an existing uh, like not sci-fi on uh special effects thank you special effects cgi you know, just use an existing set and be like Main Street. It's like, oh, I didn't realize there was a like demon barber on the, you know, whatever. Yeah, we need a a Silmarillion for the Buffy universe. Truly. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of We Are The Gayers. Don't forget to check the show notes for all of the things, including where you can get your tickets for our Rocky Horror live show. And we'll be back on October 28th for the full Hunter's Moon with our episode about Hush. And until then... It's the Hellmouth, bitch. Like, what? What?